0: Have your Bibles with you tonight. Would you open them please to Second Chronicles, the 26th chapter? And some of you have a strange look on your face. It's in the Old Testament. Next to 1 Chronicles. Right beside 2 Chronicles 25. 2 Chronicles 26. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series simply called Losers. We're looking at men and women who blew it. They had every opportunity to be in God's Hall of Fame. But because they made choices and decisions that were detrimental to that, they ended up being in the Hall of Shame. They blew it. Some for this life. And sadly, some for the life to come. Tonight's message, a loser named Uzziah. Now, I want you to pay particularly attention tonight. Because I want you to be able to talk to the person around you when we're through. I know this message does not apply to you. But you need to have enough information to share it with somebody around you who needs help with it. So you listen carefully. 2 Chronicles 26. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to be the king, and he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Jechilah of Jerusalem. Verse 4, And Uzziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. A full-of-himself pastor was asked to speak to the class of five-year-olds. So he went and he told them the story of the 23rd Psalm. And he told the little boys and girls how they were sheep. When he was through teaching the lesson, he asked the class a question. He said, who is the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm? And a little boy raised his hand and he said, Jesus is the shepherd. The pastor then asked another question. He said, well, if you're the little sheep and Jesus is the shepherd, Who am I? And the same little boy said, Well, you must be the sheepdog. (laughs) Well, Uzziah has a problem, but you can't see it in the verses we just read because it's an undercover problem right now. Uzziah is full of himself. Now, I suppose he has every right to be full of himself, prideful, if you will, because he has brought Israel back to greatness. He took the throne at age 16, and Israel's in trouble. But under his rule, some amazing things begin to happen. He restores and he refortifies the gates and towers of the city of Jerusalem he builds fortresses out in the desert to expand the military presence of israel he builds great farms in which great abundance of crops are produced he builds great herds of livestock that provides meat for the people he builds great orchards of fruit that give the people fruit for every season of the year. He restores Israel's military. He increases their army to over 300,000 well-trained, well-equipped troops. He designs huge war machines that were unseen in that day. They were similar to catapults. And every Israel division has one, or two, or three. And they shoot rocks and they shoot arrows and multiples, far distances. He expands Israel's treasury as the lesser nations around Israel, fearful of Israel, pay tribute to Israel with gold and silver. Under Uzziah's leadership, Israel has become a mighty nation It's become a superpower nation. It's greatly respected and greatly feared by friend and by foe. Uzziah has done a heck of a job as king. Fame and wealth and power are Israel's. But ladies and gentlemen, he didn't do it by his own smarts. He didn't do it by his own skills. He didn't do it by his own style. By his own sophistication. Pay attention. He did it by God's grace. Did you notice verse 5? Look at that verse. Uzziah sought God in the days of Zechariah who had an understanding of the visions, of the prophecies, of the promises, of the scriptures of the Lord. And as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, what would happen? God made him to prosper. Everything Uzziah touched turned to gold. Everything Uzziah did was successful. Every military campaign was victorious. Every building project was a complete success because God put his hand on him. And when God put his hands on him, he prospered. But Uzziah, along the way, somehow forgot God. You know, that's possible, isn't it? Sometimes on the journey of faith, we can become so full of ourselves that we empty ourselves of God. Pride sat in to Uzziah. Now, again, you don't see it in those verses yet, because pride is one of those things that starts under the surface, it's an inside outside job. And it can be there in your heart. It can be there in your mind. It can be there on the inside of your soul. Just waiting for opportunity to manifest itself. Now the Bible has much to say about pride. And none of it's good. The Bible tells us that pride is a blinding thing. It blinds you. Those who have it. Can't see it. They look at themselves in the mirror, but they can't see what everybody else can see, because it's blinding. Also, pride is corrupting. It turned the son of the morning, Lucifer, and to the father of the night, Satan. It's been well said, pride'll make a big fool out of a little man. It 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 corrupts. Everything it touches. Pride is destructive. The Bible says a haughty spirit precedes destruction. It's destructive. It's also idolatrous. Because you know what pride is, in essence? It's the worship of It's the breaking of the first and the greatest commandment, which is to worship only the Lord thy God and to love him with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. People with pride love themselves and they worship themselves. Pride is also abominable. You know, it's one of the seven deadly sins mentioned in the Bible. You know why it's so deadly? Because it destroys everything it touches, as I said earlier. It destroys individuals, it destroys homes, it destroys businesses, it destroys churches, it destroys nations, it destroys kingdoms. That's what pride does. Now you might be asking yourself the question, well, what is pride? What is pride? I mean isn't it all right pastor to be proud of your achievements? I mean shouldn't you have Uzziah been proud of the things that he built? Should he not been proud of the military he may had of the of the victories that he won of all the things that he did that were successful? What what's wrong with being prideful? Well, you got to understand what pride is. Pride is the robbing of God. Pride is thievery, ladies and gentlemen. It's stealing from God His praise, His honor, and His glory. Pride says, I made myself. Pride says, everything I have, I got it. Everything I've done, I because pride is the love of who? I. It's the worship of who? I. I earned it. I kept it. I spend it. I desire it. I deserve it. It belongs to me. The holy trinity of me, my and mine. That's made me who I am and given me what I have and allowed me to do what I've done. God doesn't get any thanks from pride and no one else gets any credit because I did it all my way. Uzziah has allowed that way of thinking and that way of feeling into his mind and heart. Again, you don't see it right now. Most of you are looking at those five verses and wondering, is the pastor seeing something I don't see? No, I'm seeing what you see. But it's going to manifest itself. It always does. It ain't no big thing, but it's growing. And now I want you to see its manifestation. Verse 16, in just 11 verses, what was on the inside is now going to be seen on the outside. What was hidden in the dark is now going to be brought to the light. But when Uzziah was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction for he transgressed against the Lord his God he went into the temple of the Lord he went into the church house of the Lord to burn incense he went into the holy place to burn incense upon the altar of incense azariah the priest tried to stop him verse 17 Eighty other priests of the Lord, who were very courageous and valiant men, tried to stop him. They withstood Uzziah the king. They said unto him, it apparent, you cannot do this. You cannot go in there and burn incense unto the Lord. But only the priests of the sons of Aaron that are consecrated to burn this incense can go into that sanctuary. You're trespassing neither shall it be thy honor from the Lord God. Verse 19, Uzziah was angry. He had a censer in his hand to burn the incense. And he was angry with those who tried to stop him. And when he tried to do what he was going to do, the leprosy even rose up on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. Verse 20, Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death. And he dwelt, verse 21, in an isolated house, being cut off from all society because he was a leper. Uzziah, the great king, successful in everything, victorious in everything, fruitful in everything, blessed of God in everything, decides in his mind and heart that he is the reason for that. And he leaves his worship of God to worship himself. He leaves the love of God to love himself. And in that pride, in that arrogance, he decides that he is going to be the priest. In that day, there was a distinction between The king and the priest. The king ruled the nation. The priest ruled the things of God. And the two did not cross. But Uzziah says, If I can be a successful king, I can be a successful priest. And he goes to the temple. And he decides he's going to enter the holy place of the temple. And he's going to burn incense. Now, Uzziah has no right nor authority to do that. It is forbidden by God. He knows it's forbidden by God. Because his pastor, Zechariah, who counseled him and advised him on how to please God, that God would prosper him. Back to verse 5. He tells him that. He tells him, you you, you can't do that. He's been taught what he can do and what he can't do. He's not doing this in ignorance. He knows exactly what he's doing. But nevertheless, he chooses to defy God and do it his way. The Bible says the high priest tries to stop him. I want you to picture in your mind, here comes the king and his entourage into the temple area. The high priest runs up and says, Your your Highness, no, you can't come in here. You know you can't come in here. And he brushes him aside. Signals for his security guards. Get this guy out of the way. Eighty other priests in the church, staff ministers, if you will, they rush up and they, they confront him and they lock arms and they say, You cannot come. He brushes them aside. I'm the king. I made myself. I'm self-made. Everything I am, everything I have, everything I've done is me. You get out of the way. I'm going into the holy place. And I'm going to light the incense. after he's brushed aside all that tried to stop him, God steps in. Don't you mess with the things of God. God steps in to this king who's become haughty and arrogant and prideful, and God strikes him. The Bible says God strikes him with leprosy. Leprosy when God smites him with that leprosy, his face turns white. Pale white from leprosy. And his heart turns yellow for fear. And he runs out of the temple. But it's too late. Because of his prideful arrogance, ladies and gentlemen, because of his haughty, prideful arrogance, he will lose his position as king. He will lose the opportunity to ever again worship in the temple, the Lord. And he will lose his ability to be a part of society. He lost all of it. Leprosy would keep him from being the king. Leprosy would prevent him from worshipping in the temple. And leprosy would prevent him from mingling with society. All the rest of his years of life, he would be put in an isolated house and kept by attendants to the day he would die. He would die a broken man with a broken body, soul, and spirit. That's the story of Uzziah. Some observations that I wrote down that might be of interest to you as we look at his life and look at ourselves. First of all, prideful people do not listen. Prideful people do not listen because they're know-it-alls and done-it-alls. You know anybody like that? They're full of themselves. What can you tell them that they don't already know? You can't. They don't listen. Zechariah was Uzziah's pastor. He said, you're not to do this. This goes against the Lord. Azariah, the high priest, said, you cannot come in here. This is against the Lord. You know also who was part of Uzziah's reign? Isaiah the prophet. The great Isaiah the prophet who bears a book by his name. Do you know he was there with Uzziah? And I'm sure he spoke and said, I, Uzziah, you cannot come in here. Eighty other men of God tried to stop him. He wouldn't listen to anybody. He wouldn't listen. Prideful people do not listen, they're headstrong, they're stubborn. They're arrogant, they're obstinate. They're going to do what they're going to do, no matter what. Secondly, an observation. Prideful people play by their own rules. I'm the king. It might be okay for you to do that, but it's not for me. I'm a big shot. I'm a big deal. I'm successful. I'm victorious. I'm fruitful. I'm blessed. You little people have your own rules. I don't have to follow them. I don't need to come to church to worship because my spirituality is above yours. I don't need to witness I don't need to give or to serve. I don't need to study my Bible or pray. I don't need to listen to what God says about what I should do or not do. God ought to be happy I'm on His team. You listen to what God says. I don't have to listen. Me and God got our own thing going. I'm going to do what I want to do. I play by my rules. Prideful people, they don't listen. They hear, but they don't listen. Prideful people play by their own rules that fit who they want to be and what they want to have and what they want to do. That's comfortable and convenient for them. Observation number three. Prideful people have many symptoms of the disease of pride. But they never see them. You see, I don't think Uzziah just woke up one morning and said, I think I'm going to go to the temple. (laughs) And I'm going to be the priest. And I'm going to enter the holy place. And I'm going to burn the incense. I don't think that just happened, ladies and gentlemen. Somewhere between verse 5 and verse 16... He was slowly being conformed by the pride that he had on the inside. It was taking him over. It was possessing him. Now anybody that had good eyes, spiritual eyes, probably could have seen it taking place. And maybe Zechariah, maybe Isaiah, maybe Azariah, maybe all of them tried to talk with him, but he wouldn't listen to them. You know, cancer has seven deadly signs. American Cancer Society says if you see these seven things going on in your body, you need to be alarmed because the possibility of cancer there is great. Well, if you see these seven deadly things going on in your life, the chances are the, the cancer of pride is in you. And it's growing. What are some of those signs? Argumentive and combative. Critical and judgmental. Defiant and rebellious. Disruptive and troublesome. Loud and rude. Pushy and demanding. controversial, and challenging. Let me ask you a question. Of course, you probably can't see it. But are those things in your life? You say, well, Pastor, just one of the seven is. Well, it ain't no big thing, but it's what? It's growing. Are you argumentative and combative? Are you critical and judgmental? Are you defiant and rebellious? Are you disruptive and troublesome? Are you loud and rude? Are you pushy and demanding? Are you controversial? Everywhere you go, there's controversy and challenging of authority. If so, you might have the cancer of pride in you. Why would people who have pride have these things? Why would they have these symptoms? Because what does all of that I just told you? All those symptoms do two things, which prideful people want more than anything else. They want attention called to themselves would you not say if you're any of those things i just mentioned you are getting attention called to yourself and you're also defending your rights in your territory prideful people it's always about them and it's always about their possessions and their territory and preserving it and expanding it if they can Now remember, are you listening? You've got to be able to share this with somebody sitting next to you. Fourth observation. Prideful people are everywhere. There might be a prideful person sitting in your seat right now. There might be one standing behind this pulpit. They're everywhere. Are you prideful? Am I prideful? Is it just about us? Is that really all that matters? My will, my wants, my whims, my wishes? My power, my pleasure, my profit? Is it just about our turf, our territory? Do we expect the tail to wag the dog? Are we prideful? Well, if you just happen to be prideful, I know you're not. But if you just happen to be, do you know a fifth observation? There is a cure. There's not always a cure for cancer of the body. I know doctors can do surgery. I know they can do chemo. They can do radiation. They can do the combinations of all of that, ladies and gentlemen. And sometimes it's effective and sometimes it's not. But can I give you a cure for pride of the soul? Cancer of the soul. That's always effective. It will cure any pride that you or I might have. It's called recognition and repentance. I am Uzziah. I am a prideful, arrogant, haughty person. I'm prone to look at everything from an I perspective and everything is about defending my turf my territory, my power, my fame, my fortune, my position, and all that goes with it. It's about me. If you recognize that and you will repent of it, God will cure you. If we confess our sin, Pride is sin. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just. I like that. He is faithful and just. To cleanse us, to forgive us, to make us whole. First John one nine. Tonight I just wonder if some of us got some pride in us. Oh, it's it's not a big thing, but it's growing. It's hidden right now, although there's some symptoms that are starting to manifest. We just kind of brush it off as a bad day, bad week, bad month. But yet the pride is growing. Starting to show itself in how we speak and how we act and our attitude and how we get along with people. Do we have that problem? we have that problem as individuals? Maybe we have that problem as a church. Do we have that problem from the pastor down or from the people up? Do we? Well, God says if we'll be like Barney Fife and nip it in the bud, He can deal with it. A great shark hunter, was asked this question What's the best way to kill a great white shark You know those monsters of the ocean Get up towards the 20 feet in length a ton in weight Their teeth is as big as our hand They're killers They show no mercy they give no quarter they take no prisoners What's the best way to kill a great white shark? And you know what this shark killer said? Kill them when they're little. You know the best way to kill pride? Kill it when it's little. Recognize it's starting to grow. And ask God to forgive you and cleanse you, and make you whole. That you won't get the leprosy of it. Our heads are bowed, and our eyes are What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Could it be, would it be that the Spirit of God right now is taking His long finger and tapping you on the chest and saying, do you know the pastor's speaking to you? He's speaking to you, but he's really not speaking to you because he really doesn't know but I'm speaking to you through him. And I'm warning you, don't mess with me. Get rid of this pride. Because if you allow it to stay in you, it's only going to continue to grow and manifest itself in more destructive words and deeds, you're going to wreak havoc on yourself. You're going to wreck havoc on your home and on your church and on the kingdom and even on the nation itself if you don't repent. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe we all need to repent. Maybe we all get caught up a little bit too much with I. Maybe we all get caught up a little too much with defending our turf. Well, it's not about I. It's about Him. It's not about our turf. This is His church. It's about working together. about respect, it's about honor, it's about glory, it's about teamwork. Maybe we all get caught up a little too much in the fact that we think it's all about us. As Miss Barbara begins to play, I'm just going to ask you to Really ask yourself, is this me? And ask God to forgive you. Tell God you recognize it's starting to show. Then ask God to forgive you and to wash you and cleanse you through the blood of Jesus, that though you be black as a desert night, the royal ruby red blood of Jesus will wash you even tonight and make you whiter than the virgin snow. Ask God to take away your pride and give it to you a humility, a meekness, a passiveness, Ask God to work in you. God would much rather forgive than He would to judge. pride and it is me I found the sin it's me I found the problem it's me gotten so full of self, I've emptied myself of Jesus. I've got a little heady in my responsibilities. A little arrogant in my duties. I've forgotten that I'm made of God. By His grace, I am who I am, not by me. By His grace, I have what I have. By His grace, I've done what I've done. I have no rights. I have no demands. Who am I to try to tell people what I'm supposed to have or what I'm supposed to need? Father as pastor of this church I come to you and ask you to forgive this church if we've become prideful or arrogant and haughty in any way shape or form how we do your business wash us and cleanse us Lord and make us whole again may a humble sweet spirit Come into thy people, into this church. And Lord, I also pray for my people and myself. For we are individuals that make up the whole. The whole will never be any stronger than the weakest individual. And Lord, I pray that if something I've said tonight fits me or fits my people individually, we would respond to it. That indeed we would nip it in the bud and bring back the sweetness and the humility and the meekness that you would have us to have unto you and to each other. I pray for this in the name of Jesus. And all of us in agreement said, Amen. God bless you and you're dismissed.